In case you don't know me, my name is David. I'm actually on staff here at Severn, and, uh, and I get the, the honor of teaching today, and um, it really is an honor, so I appreciate you guys being here. I hope this uh, serves you. I hope it's helpful for you. And uh, today we're going to be talking about something that uh, I think it's pretty timely, being that we're closing in on the end of a year that for a lot of us, uh, and for a lot of different reasons, has been an extremely difficult one. Uh, we're going to be talking about the storms of life. And uh, to do that, we're actually going to be in Acts 27, which is the second to last chapter in the book. So we're almost done with our, our series, the book of Acts. And uh, Pastor Ryan's talked about this in uh, past weeks, but the end of the book of Acts is really just kind of, can be summarized as the sufferings of Paul. And uh, we've seen him in a lot of different scenarios. We've seen him being beaten. We've seen him in riots. Uh, we've seen him on trial the past few weeks. And this week, he's in a very unique uh, suffering compared to all those. He gets caught uh, on a boat in a storm and uh, ends up being part of a shipwreck. And uh, the storm in this story can really be representative of all suffering, all suffering that we, we face in this life. So, so I think that if we look at the way that Paul responds to the storm he's in, the way he, he's thinking through it, his mindset in it, and the way he acts in it, uh, we can begin to answer the question, you know, how do I handle the storms in my life, the storms I face in my own life? And uh, before I, I read the, the text that we're in today, I just kind of want to set up uh, where we are in the story, because uh, Paul's been under Roman guard for a few years, actually, and uh, he's a Roman citizen, so he's actually um, requested to have his case heard by Caesar. He's kind of appealed to Caesar, and they're on their way to Rome. So he's with some soldiers and uh, some sailors, and they're sailing to Rome, but because of some delays, uh, they end up having to sail in the winter, which I'm not an expert on this, but apparently that's a bad time to sail. Um, so much so that Paul even says, hey, we shouldn't sail right now, it's not going to go well. Uh, but the soldiers and sailors, they decide to head out anyways, and lo and behold, they end up in a storm. Um, and they end up in a very severe storm, so much so that the, the sailors are throwing things off the boat. And uh, that's where I'm going to pick up reading in Acts 27. I'm going to be in verse 20, uh, and then I'm going to read through verse 38. It says, For many days neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. Since many were going without food, Paul stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Just kind of an I told you so there, I guess. You know, just let them know that. <laughs> and then he says, uh, Now I urge you to take courage, uh, because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only the ship. For this night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood beside me, and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And look, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. When the fourteenth night came, we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea, and in the middle of the night, the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took a sounding and found it to be 120 feet deep. When they had sailed a little farther and sounded again, they found it to be 90 feet deep. Then, fearing we might run aground in some rocky place, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. Some sailors tried to escape from the, from the ship. They had let down the skiff into the sea, pretending that they were going to put out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion, unless, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the ropes holding the skiff and let it drop away. When it was about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have been waiting and going without food, having eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for this has to do with your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them, and when he broke it, he began to eat. They all became encouraged and took food themselves. In all, there were 276 of us on the ship, 
And when they had eaten, eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. And I'll, I'll stop reading there just for the sake of not reading the whole story to you, but if you read a little further and kind of through the rest of the chapter, you'll see that they do have a shipwreck, but like God had said, they all survived. And uh, what I want to look at today is just uh, three particular things about how Paul responded, how he was thinking in that storm, uh, that can really help us as we face our storms. And those three things are understanding the paradox of storms, seeing the purpose in storms, and knowing the person who has faced the ultimate storm. Uh, so the first thing that can help us, the, it's the first main idea today that we need when facing the storm is to understand the paradox of storms. And you might be wondering, like, what in the world does that mean? Um, so again, just to kind of revisit the scenario we're in, um, the sailors are going crazy, <clears throat> the soldiers are going crazy, uh, they're pretty sure they're going to die, they're throwing everything over the boat, which I'm not a sailing expert, but I'm pretty sure that's, you know, boating language for things aren't going well when you start throwing everything you have out of the boat. Um, but in the middle of all that, Paul stands up and he just says, hey, look, um, I've heard from the God who I belong to, the God who I worship, and he has told me that, that none of us are going to die. We're all going to survive. There won't be any loss of life, but we are going to lose the boat. <clears throat> and then just a few verses later, just a few verses later, we see some sailors trying to pull a fast one, and uh, they're pretending to let down some anchors, but they're really putting out a lifeboat. They're trying to leave. So if you have any sailor friends and they ever tell you, hey, I'm going to go put down some anchors, you should probably question them a little bit. You know, it's just classic sailor trick, you know, putting down some anchors. But uh, so they, they're actually trying to escape, and Paul sees this happening, and he, he tells the soldiers, he says, hey, unless these guys stay, we're not going to make it. You can't be saved. So do you see, like, the, the problem there? And how can both of those statements be true? You know, if God said no one's going to die, then why does it matter what the sailors do? Why does it matter if they leave? Why, like, why would that lead to the not being saved? And what we see here is this paradox in the storm that Paul understood. And really, we can see this in our own lives. We can see this every day in our lives <clears throat> if we really think about it, because this is really the, the question of God's sovereignty or God's control, or maybe, depending if you don't believe in God, maybe you just call it fate. You know, it's the, the question of that versus our personal responsibility. So God's sovereignty versus the decisions we make and the importance they have. And we can so often be, you know, either or people. So we can either think, okay, God's in control, so nothing I do matters. Or we can be on the other side of the coin and say, what I do matters so much because all the outcomes depend on me. And what we see in this passage and what we, we actually see all through the Bible is that it's not either or, it's actually both. You know, God is in control 100%, and what we do matters 100%. And you might be wondering, what does that have to do with, you know, dealing with storms? What does it have to do with suffering? But when we really get, think through it and, and kind of get into this a little bit, um, I think we can see that this is really the most practical way we can live and we can deal with storms is when we understand this paradox. Because... For example, if you, if you err too far on the side of, you know, God's in control, so what I do doesn't matter, uh, then you can become very apathetic and very passive. And really, you could make your storms worse or get into more storms in your life because you're just not thinking things through and you're not acting wisely. And you're actually, you can end up using the phrase, God is in control. You can end up using that as an excuse for an action or as a cop-out. You say, oh, God's in control, and you use it as an excuse as opposed to, you know, an actual grounding truth in your life. And if you're on the, the other side of the coin, if you're more of a, you know, action-oriented, action-minded person, you know, all the outcomes depend on me, uh, you can really stress yourself out because you're putting all the pressure on yourself and on what you can do and the way you can perform. <clears throat> and you can make your storms worse and you can get into more storms uh, by adding, you know, anxiety and stress and exhaustion to the mix. But if we can understand that both of those things are true, God's in control, 
and what we do matters, uh, we can be calm like Paul was. Because he was, in this storm, he was a man of faith. He said, I believe God. But he was also a man of common sense and wisdom and you know, practical knowledge and, and wisdom in the situation. Because he believed God that no one was going to die. But he said, hey, if those sailors leave, we're not going to make it. And he believed God that they weren't going to die. But he said, hey, you guys should eat some food. Like, that's the most practical advice you can give. And I would, I would take that in a heartbeat. Like, all right, let's eat, guys. You know, Paul's saying so. <clears throat> but he also, he believed God that he was going to make it to Rome. He had heard that as early as back in Acts 23. God had said, hey, you're going to make it to Rome. So he already knew that. He already knew he was going to make it to Rome, but he was still being wise in how he got there. Because before they even left, he said, hey, we probably shouldn't sail at this time of year because, you know, it's not a good time to sail. We're probably going to wreck, and we could lose our lives. So he was thinking wisely even in how to get to Rome, even though God had already promised him he was going to get there. So, I, don't, I mean, I feel like if a lot of us got that guarantee, hey, you're going to make it to Rome, we'd just be like, all right, I can do whatever I want. You know, we could just, I can let loose. It doesn't matter. I'm going to make it there. But Paul was still wise in how he got there. And once he was in the storm, he handled himself wisely in that as well. So, <clears throat> so knowing that God is 100% in control and knowing that what we do matters 100%, Allows us to, it's so practical because it allows us to be calm without being apathetic and allows us to be people of action without running ourselves ragged or stressing out because, because we think everything depends on us. <clears throat> and just to kind of, I'll talk about this a little bit further, but just to kind of bring this down to our level where maybe we can relate to a little bit, a little bit easier. Um, since we tend to fall on either side of this, you know, we kind of lean one way or the other, and it's probably a mix in this room of kind of what side we fall on. Uh, you've probably experienced some tension in your relationships in this as you've tried to think through how to live in a pandemic. Because if you're more of an, like a pragmatic person, you're more action-oriented, uh, you can probably think of very recent scenarios in your life where you've been talking to a friend or family member and it's starting to drive you insane because they're using the phrase God is in control as an excuse to do things that aren't wise. Or they're using that in a way that's making you think they're not being wise. And you probably have a list of things running through your head constantly of what that person needs to do. You know, you're probably constantly thinking, okay, they need to sleep more. They need to emotionally process. They need to cry. They need to eat more kale. You know, they need to wash their hands. They need to quarantine more. And you probably have all these things in, their, in your mind about what they need to do. But on the flip side, if you're more of like a faith-minded person, you can probably think of very recent scenarios where your friends and family members who are more action-oriented are driving you insane because... To you, it just seems like they're running around like crazy people trying to do everything, trying to control things they can't control, and they're stressing themselves out so much it's starting to stress you out. And your, your mindset might even be, hey, look, I get it, but when it's my time to go, it's going to be my time to go. God's going to take me then. And what's funny is, you know, if I had to bet, as I was walking through that, in your mind... Whichever side you fall on, you're probably like, oh, that's, that's the right side. And those other people are crazy, you know. Or maybe you think, hey, depending on the day, I'm one of those crazy people. I'm on either side of it. And it can be, depends on if it's Monday or, or Wednesday, you know. But I think what we see in this story and what we see really all through Bible, we see in Paul's example, is that if we can understand that both of those things are true, it's not either or. It's not those people are crazy and these aren't. It's both. God is in control. But we're still responsible for our actions and we have to make wise decisions but we can be calm because we know the outcome, are still, the outcome is still in God's hand. So that, that'll help us, at least I think, that'll help us as we go through storms. And uh, <clears throat> the next thing, you know, that's kind of the paradox understanding. That's kind of like a higher level thing. Uh, the next thing I want to look at is in Paul's example that we need when we're going to face storms is just seeing the purpose in storms. This is our second main idea today is that we need to see the purpose in storms. And... Um, you know, the, even if you understand that paradox, it doesn't really answer the question that most of us have when it comes to suffering. 
which is why. You know, why is this happening to me? What's the point of this? And you're like, okay, I get the paradox thing, but I still don't understand why this is happening. And, you know, I think it'd probably be helpful for, for me on the front end just to say, I think it'd be really foolish of me as a 31-year-old man to stand up here and pretend like I understand the reason for all suffering or understand the purpose of every storm you've ever faced. Um, and I think it'd be really audacious to stand here and say that I totally get it. I totally understand the pain that you've experienced or I totally understand the pain that you're experiencing right now. I don't, I, I don't know that, so I think it'd be really audacious for me to say that. But what I do know <clears throat> is that God is able to use even the most hopeless situations and even the most terrible things. He's able to use those for good. And that doesn't mean, doesn't mean the storm is good. It means that God is good. And when we can trust that he's able to take even the worst situations and use them for good, that will help us in the storm. It doesn't mean that you know, we're going to understand the specific purpose of every instance in our life, but when we can know that nothing we're going through is purposeless and nothing is hopeless beyond repair, beyond redemption, that'll help us. And I think we've, we've talked about this, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, so I won't go into too much detail, but in case you're wondering, this uh, passage, this, this story from Acts 27, um, this one actually turns out for good. Um, because if you read the next chapter, you read Acts 28, uh, you'll see that they shipwreck on an island called Malta. And uh, they, <clears throat> they shipwreck there, and because of the shipwreck, uh, the people on Malta are actually able to encounter God. They're able to be ministered to by, by Paul because of this shipwreck. And when you think about that, it's kind of crazy, uh, because this whole situation, this whole getting caught in a storm and shipwreck, it was all brought about by an unwise decision made by men to sail at a time of year they shouldn't have sailed, that got them caught in a storm they shouldn't have been in, that led to the destruction of all their property and of their boat, that led to people in Malta encountering God. So it's just crazy. I think it's important for us to see how God is able to even use those kinds of situations. Even an unwise decision, he's able to redeem that situation for his good and for his plan. Because sometimes we can, you know, in suffering, kind of be left with the question of why. You know, why is this happening? But other times, we know why. You know, we've brought it on ourselves. We've made an unwise decision, unwise decision and, we're, and we can actually pile guilt and shame on ourselves because we'll say, I deserve this. You know, this is my fault. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. And I think it's so important and so hopeful and so important for us to know that God can redeem even those situations. Because, I mean, this might sound cliche, but if you're breathing, which I'm assuming everyone listening is breathing at least some point in the next five seconds. <laughs> it's a really slow breather. Um, but if you're breathing, you're not beyond hope. And what's kind of a, a cool caveat is if, if you've put your trust in Jesus, and even when you stop breathing, you're not beyond hope. It's just kind of a cool thing to remember. <clears throat> but, uh, but I think that, you know, it'd be easy to hear that and say, hey, it'd be nice if I could read chapter 28 of my life. You know, that'd be pretty cool. If, if just like we can read the story of Paul, we could, you know, flip the page to the next page in our life and, and see what happens next. Because when we look at any story in the Bible, it's easy to think that way. Because, I mean, think of, the, think of the story of Jesus, for example. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought through how hopeless of a situation it must have felt like for his disciples. You know, to, to be someone who left your old life behind, you left your job, you left your family, you bet, you're betting your whole life on this guy, this guy Jesus, to be the Messiah, to change everything. And then you watch him die. And then he's dead for a couple of days. Like, I don't know if you can imagine how hopeless that situation felt, like what that felt like for them. And maybe you can, maybe, maybe you're in a spot today where you feel like it's just a really difficult time, it's a very hopeless time. But the difference is we can, we can read the rest of that story. You know, we can read the rest of Jesus' story and say, okay, well, you know, well, he, a couple of days later he came back. And it actually ended up being a really good thing because it made 
life and salvation available for anybody because he, he died and he came back so I can read the rest of that story. And, and it's funny to think, I don't, maybe you've heard someone say this, I've never heard anyone say that they don't believe in God because he let Jesus die. Maybe someone has said that, but I've never heard it. What I hear is I don't believe in God because of the suffering I'm going through or the suffering I see around me. Because when we're in the middle of the storm, it's so hard to see the whole story. You know, it's so hard to see the end of the story because we can't just flip the page. You know, if I could go, okay, David chapter 27, this is pretty hard. David 28, oh, okay, this is going okay. You know, I got, uh, this, is, this is going well for me. But since we can't do that, you know, what are, what are we really supposed to do? And um, this actually brings me to the, the last main idea that I wanted to, to point to today, that where Paul's example can help us when we face our storms, and that's that we need to know the person who has faced the ultimate storm. So, you know, we've kind of talked about more of the philosophical side of storms, you know, like the paradox and the purpose. And I think that's important, but we cannot stop there. I think we'd really do ourselves a disservice if we stopped at that point. Because I think at our core, like each and every one of us uh, listening, each and every one of us here, we know that suffering is not primarily a philosophical question. It's a personal problem. Because, for example, you could know exactly why you're dealing with what you're dealing with and it not help you deal with it at all. Like, you could know that your liver is failing because you drank too much alcohol. That doesn't help you deal with your declining health. It doesn't help you deal with, you know, facing your mortality. You could have a Christian mindset or a Christian worldview and understand that I live in a fallen world, so sin and suffering are kind of a part of that. Sin broke the world, so there's going to be suffering. But knowing that in and of itself doesn't help you deal with that suffering. You just know why it's happening. So what we need, at least what I think we need, is we need to know how to get through it. And we need to know that somebody's with us in the storm, who can get us through it. <clears throat> so, uh, so this time of year, uh, in, case you, in case you haven't noticed, it's Christmas time. If, if you're listening in the future and you decided to watch the substitute guy preach, it's Christmas time. <laughs> um, but, uh, but around Christmas time, around this time of year, uh, you'll hear a name for Jesus that, um, that we don't typically hear the rest of. I'm not sure why, but uh, there's a name for Jesus that you'll hear in some songs we sing. Is a name for Jesus that you'll hear in the you know the story the the story of Jesus being born and that name is Emmanuel. And in case you don't know what that name means, it means God with us, uh, because that's exactly who Jesus is. Because it's only in Christianity that we believe that God suffered with us. So He doesn't just know about suffering because He's all knowing. You know, he doesn't just know about what it's like to be betrayed. He doesn't just know about what it's like to lose a loved one or to even lose a child or to even, you know, just experience extreme physical pain. He doesn't just know about those things. He's actually experienced those things. He's actually walked through those and felt them himself. And he doesn't just, he's not just with us in the storm because, oh yeah, God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. No, he's with us in the storm because he's actually been there. He's been where you are. And I think, I was, this is in the side, side column of my notes here, that as I was kind of working through this this week, it really stuck out to me. It's like he doesn't, Jesus didn't just walk through what we've walked through. He, walked, he faced the ultimate storm. He walked through something so that we actually never have to. So we're not going to even be able to relate to the suffering that he experienced in our place so we don't have to. That's, that's what the whole reason Jesus came down was to, to face the ultimate storm for us, which is the storm of sin and death and the, the consequence, the, the judgment for our sin. And he actually faced that for us so that we never have to. So there'll be a point where he's actually suffered <clears throat> If you put your trust in Jesus, he's actually suffered something that you never will. You won't understand how he's, what he's gone through. Which I think is crazy to think about. 
And in, in verse 23 in this, um, this passage that we're walking through today, um, Paul actually says something uh, about God that I think is a super powerful thing. You might, you might even just read past it and not really think about it, but um, just the way he talks about God, I think, show, reveals a lot about Paul that, that we can learn from. Um, he said in verse 23 um, that the, he was talking about when God spoke to him and told him that they were going to be okay. He said, the God to whom I belong and, to who, I, and who I serve. So he doesn't just serve the God of the universe. He belongs to him like a kid belongs to a family. And the reason Paul could know that was because he knew what Jesus had done. He had dealt with the ultimate storm for him, and he knew Jesus. So that meant that he knew his father was with him, and his father was with him in the storm. His father was good, was sovereign over the storm, and he was accepted and part of God's family. So he was secure, regardless of what was raging around him. He could still remain calm. And I think that's cool to know you know, that Paul knew that, but, but I think the question for us is, do you, do you know that? Because you can. Like, do I know that? Because I, I can, and I, I want to read you something that Paul actually wrote in Galatians. Uh, this is just a letter he wrote to a church in Galatia. This is uh, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, talking about this very same thing. He said, when the, came time, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So like, do, do you know that, I think is the question. Do you know that if you know Jesus, the one who's faced the ultimate storm for you, that you are a part of God's family, that you're secure, that you're safe, that you're welcome, you're loved, like no matter what, you're part of his family. Like if you have kids, you know what that kind of love is. Like there's nothing your kid could do to not be a part of your family. That's the kind, we're being, we are adopted into God's family whenever we know Jesus, when we've put our trust in him. And when we know that, not only does that help us deal with our storms, it actually allows us to be there for other people through the storm. Because I don't know if you noticed in this you know, passage about Paul just how, how much of an encourager he was, how calm he was, how he was able to just encourage the people around him. He wasn't caught up in himself. And I think that's because he knew he was secure. The ultimate storm had already been dealt with for him. And I think what's so important to know is that that storm has been dealt with for anyone who would put their trust in Jesus. There's not some exclusive like club. You have to be a certain type of person or have been in church for X amount of years. It's anyone that would acknowledge their need for a Savior and acknowledge that Jesus is that Savior. And with that, I'm actually going to call up the worship team. I never talk really long, so you guys might get out of here a little early today. But I'm going to call up the worship team, and, uh, and I'm just going to kind of close down. Uh, and I'll close with this. So, <clears throat> you know, during his time when he was here with his disciples, Jesus actually, um, he had a very similar situation uh, as Paul went through here in Acts 27. You know, he was on a boat. He was in a severe storm. The people on the boat thought they were going to die. Um, his disciples, many of whom were actually experienced fishermen, were pretty confident they were going to die. And it, pretty hilariously, Jesus in the story, um, he's actually sleeping in the boat during the storm. And uh, his disciples, they, they come up to him and they're panicked, you know, and they, they're such relatable people. I don't know if you've ever read the, the gospel accounts. But when you read about the disciples, they're just like us. They're made of the same things, <laughs> the same stuff we're made of, and they think the same things and ask the same questions. And uh, they run up to Jesus and they ask him this question. They say, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? They said, don't you care? And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you've been through some storms or you're in the middle of one right now where the only thing you can think of when someone mentions God or when you think of God, the only thing you can think of is, don't you care? Does he even care that I'm dying? Does he even care that I'm going through this? And the answer to that is yes. 
It's a resounding yes. And not only does he care, but he actually is powerful enough to do something about it. Because if you look at the rest of that story with, with Jesus in the boat with his disciples, what he does, his response to that question is to stand up and to tell the storm to be quiet and to be still. And what's crazy is that it listens to him. And his, his poor disciples, they're, they're just like we would be. This is what I would do. They, uh, they went from being terrified at the storm to terrified at Jesus, is what it says. They were terrified after it was calm. And they just redirected their terror at Jesus. They, and they had this question that they were asking one another. And they said, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They said, who is this? And I, I really think that's the question for every single one of us today that we have to ask. You know, who is this Jesus? Because you might, not, you might not be on a boat right now. Like, you're probably not, unless you have really good Wi-Fi and you're watching online. Like, you're probably not on a boat. But we all have a storm that we face in our life. We all have different storms that we go through, but there's one that we all have in common and that we all need, a, we need help with. When we're, when we're thinking clearly, we realize we need help with it, and that's the storm of sin and death and the consequences of those sins. And when we're thinking clearly, we know we need help. We know we can't handle that on our own. And Jesus really is the only help in that storm. He's the only He's the only true help. <clears throat> and I know earlier I might have moved past it kind of quick. I said the answer is yes to the question of if he cares. And that might have left you feeling a little dissatisfied. Like he just, okay, it's just yes. But uh, there's more than that. Because the, the way that we know the answer is yes. I don't just know that because the Bible says, yes, God cares about you. The way we know that it's yes is because he died for us, for you and for me. And there's no greater love than that. And I, I have to wonder, you know, did the disciples, did they... Did they ever think back after they knew Jesus had laid down his life for them? Did they ever think back? And I mean, remember that time we asked him, like, don't you care about us? Like, man, he, he did. He does. And that's how, we, that's how he demonstrates his love for us and that he would die for us. But that's not where it ends. He actually, he's actually powerful enough to do something about this storm we face because a few days later, his resurrection is proof that he has the power to undo death and to undo anything we're going through and really to calm the storm and the ultimate storm and the ones that we're going through in our lives. Because in his, in his life, he calmed a literal storm, but in his death, he calmed the ultimate storm for us. So that's who this Jesus is. And, and I hope you know him. Like, I really just genuinely hope you know him. Because I, I'm convinced that the more you get to know this guy, Jesus, the more you're going to trust him. But thank you guys for listening. Let me, let me pray for us. I'm just going to close this down today. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we, uh, we thank you that that you don't just tell us that you care about us, but that you showed us. And uh, we just pray that you would just help us today to know you better, to actually see you more clearly for you really are, to be willing to, to ask that question, who is this Jesus, who are you, um, instead of just taking what other people say about him um, at face value. Just pray that you would help us to really know you and to really um, be able to trust you, be able to trust you when we can't see what's going on, when we don't know what's on the other side of the storm, uh, but to be able to trust that you're good in it and that you faced it for us and that you're with us through it. And uh, Jesus, we love you. We just pray that um, that really as we leave here today that, that you would just be uh, working on in, on each of our lives and in each of our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen.